answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. And I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us today, both myself and my co-host, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. Just means that we spend our days working with people like yourself. We broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. Whether you have advisors you work with now or you'd like to consider us your advisors, that's awesome. Uh, we would love to take your calls if you're trying to figure out something in your own financial life or you'd like a second opinion. Maybe someone's trying to sell you some sort of financial product or something along those lines. Um you're trying to figure out if you're ready for retirement and whatever the case may be, <clears throat> we'd love for you to uh, consider us a place for your information. And if you want to join us, our contact, 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. That will get you on the show. And before we take calls, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, this was a, a survey from 2019 that Edelman... Not Rick Edelman, the financial advisor. Edelman, the um, big public relations firm. Uh, the PR agency? What do they call themselves? The, the, yeah. Yeah, public relations. Uh, they're a huge international firm. So they did this uh, thing on what consumers trust. Which industries consumers trust? And they rank them in order of trust. They, yes. And the top, the top industry that people trust is technology. Which I actually thought was pretty interesting, even with all the yeah data that gets you know, stuff with Facebook. So the number one was technology. Education was also quite high. Um, retail, retail, transportation, professional services, food and beverage, entertainment, telecommunications, healthcare, fashion. I thought fashion's a little low on the trust thing. Energy, could, energy. You should never P trust fashion. <laughs> <laughs> consumer packaged goods, and at the bottom of the list, the industry, financial services. Why? It's well-earned. It's deserved. It's deserved. From the big banks to the Ponzi schemes to the so-called investment advisor that is selling you an indexed annuity with a 10-year surrender charge, it's lack of transparency, the whole industry lack of transparency on both the banking side and, quite frankly, the banks and the big brokerage firms actually use the headwinds of their financial reputation that goes back dozens and dozens and dozens of years as a foil to get you to do things that you don't really or shouldn't do. Also, the big insurance companies, right? I mean, there's a reason that financial services. There's a reason why, of all industries, financial services ranked last in what the of trust. trust for of trust for the consumers, people, yeah, for their potential clients, customers. Yep. We just saw in the last couple of weeks, Wells Fargo settled with the feds for three billion dollars. Class action suit. From uh, a law firm against security benefit life insurance company for indexed annuity ah, fraud. I this lawsuit. was pretty interesting. Um, I think we'll see a lot more uh, equity index lawsuits. So, in the years past, when they would sell equity index annuities and these equity index annuities, supposedly, you know, we're not big fans of them, right? You know, you do know that, right? <laughs> have you heard? If you've listened to the show at all, you know, we're not big fans of supposedly equity. Supposedly, you get. All the upside in the market or a percentage of the upside and none of the downside in the market. So the plaintiffs in this case 
are claiming that the annuity products were misleading and deceptive. Thank you. They were. They are. And that his marketing around them was false and misleading without a clear statement that the synthetic indices were, in fact, designed to have much lower return than the stock indices traditionally used in indexed annuities. What does that mean? There were 93 hybrid indices that uh, in the industry right now compared to three in 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so does that mean, Scott? What in is- two, so in 2010 and before, if someone sold you an equity index annuity, they would say, hey, look, we got a product. We're going to give you this return to the stock market, but we're going to protect your investments. So if things go down, you don't have to worry about it. In- investments protected, but you'll get the S&P 500 index. The, the challenge or is- Or a percentage of the S&P 500. It was never all of it. And minus the dividends, which- can be a significant all kinds part. of things and caps and all kinds of crazy things. So you would get technically you'd get nowhere near that. And as the, these products become more have become more expensive for the insurance companies to create for two reasons. One is interest rates on uh, bonds are lower today for them, just like for the, all of us, and they have to they, they live in the same world that we do. Uh, and secondly, is buying these what are called options. These uh, options to purchase. Stocks in the future, or to sell stocks which is, price. which is exactly what an annuity, an indexed annuity, does. By the way, they have no secret sauce in there. They take most of your portfolio and they invest it in bonds. They take the income that is derived off the bonds to buy options on an underlying index. When those options got too expensive, what did the companies do, Scott? They created their own indices. Correct. They made stuff. So instead up. of the S and P five hundred, they've created ninety three unique. Hybrid indices, which might be you, I, Pat. I I am going to make a prediction here. The next five years, you're going to see a flood of class action lawsuits. And this this you know this, when we saw this lawsuit, that's what some people are saying. It's like this is probably the start of something big. And this is on this, which was filed late last year. The the claim is that what's the name of this company? Security, Security Benefit. Benefit actually deceptively illustrated the performance of the Morgan Stanley Dynamic Allocation Indexed Account and Annuity-Linked TV Index is capable of producing double-digit returns to the purchasers of secure income or total value annuities. And the, the lawsuit says, not even a chance. Not even a chance. So they actually created an underlying index called the Morgan Stanley Dynamic Allocation Index Account and Annuity Linked <laughs> TV, TV what does Index. That mean? They, Total it, value. They made it out of thin air, though. They took two indexes or, or created two indexes and then linked them together. I think we'll see. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of people Listen. who bought. You're, Pat, you're going to see a lot of people who 10 years ago. Bought an equity index annuity, thinking they're going to get somewhat sort of market returns, and they're going to, at the end of the ten years, they're going to be like, "How come I only got four percent? How we, come I only got three and a half percent? This went through the, one of the best bull markets in history, and I got three We see it 3%. now. We see the poor retiree that shows up into our office with one point seven million dollars in indexed annuities. That's right. What we 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 hear the advertisements. We heard about Keith Springer in the Greater Northern California uh, area that was purporting to be a registered investment advisor till the SEC said it's bait and switch and bringing people in here to. Well, the interesting thing, interesting about this product, it's not regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. It's an insurance product. How? Uh, and insurance is, are regulated on a state by state basis. And it's still like the wild West in these. Insur- it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And for whatever reason, the, uh, what was the financial authority that was created? Oh, that, uh, the one that Elizabeth financial Warren financial protection, created. uh, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> they don't do anything about it either. All right, let's take some calls. We're gonna actually we're gonna take some calls in the program. We're also gonna um, spend a little bit of time on beneficiaries with retirement accounts. Let's uh, go to the calls though. Eight three three ninety nine worth, and we're in Northern California talking with Mark. Mark, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey guys, how you doing this afternoon? Good. How are you, Mark? Doing great. Got an interesting question for you. I'm fifty nine and a half. I am still currently employed, relatively debt-free, and I was wondering what the implications might be, good and bad, of withdrawing um, money out of my 401k and paying off my primary home. 
so it may be a good idea. It's highly unlikely that it's a good idea while you're still working, but it may make sense to um, to do it. So tell us about yourself. How much do you owe on your primary residence? 500000 And h- how much do you make? What what, what do you – your family income? I'd, about two forty. Okay. And how much is in your 401k? 850 And how much longer do you plan on working? How much working? is the house worth? House is, house is worth about six fifty. I bought it a year ago. Got and it. what do you owe on it? Five. Five hundred. Oh. And how much longer do you plan on working? Well, that's kind of what's prompting the question. I have an opportunity. I've started another business. I'm planning a retirement path from my 30-year computer industry job. And I'd like to minimize that time. And the idea was to reduce my expenses as much as possible while I develop the business that's the path to my retirement. Got it. Um, But I could technically work another five or six years Will you receive a monthly pension when you retire? I actually have a a pension uh, that I have acquired through uh, early retirement with another employer that is about $1,200 a month. Anything in addition to that? Uh, So the $1,200 a month, the 401k plus, you know, I don't even know if Social Security will be around then. And what did you say your 401k value was? 850. 850. So if you if you can if you cashed in your 401k today after taxes you would barely have enough to pay the house off. It would take your entire 401k because the taxes would be so bad. Yeah. Because you- it because you're taxed you'd be taxed as a uh, as that that was all earned income. Like you had over a million dollars in income in one year. So do, are you supporting any children? Are they all out of the house or Yep. They, nope. Okay. Here here's I would think about it. So um I like the concept. You want to start a business. I would. It, so let's say you left today. I, I would not. I would not take anything out of your four hundred one k while you're working, making a couple hundred grand to pay down the mortgage. I would say while you're working and have that that salary, work on getting the mortgage balance down. But if you left tomorrow and said I want to start this business, I'd say have the four hundred one k allocated in such a manner so it sends a check each month to cover the mortgage payment, or or. Maybe even a little bit more to cover whatever your expenses are at that particular time. But the reality, Scott, we could we could talk all around this, but the reality is, uh, you probably never want to pay this mortgage off. Really, he owes five hundred thousand. So let's assume let's you took like, let's assume you took your four hundred one k and paid off your house because that's what it after, after you retired taxes. after you retired. So we didn't even but the so after you retired and let's assume we stretched it out over a few years to try to mitigate some of the, the taxes. taxes. You might have a hundred grand left in your four hundred one k, or one hundred and fifty grand left in your four hundred one k. If that, if that, and then that hundred and fifty thousand, let's say it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and we take a five percent distribution on that, that's seventy five hundred dollars we'll a year. Re- really, to be real blunt with you, you're you're quite behind on your retirement savings relative to your income and your age. That's right. That is right. I mean, so. Okay. If you were sitting in our office today with any one of our advisors and we looked at this, we would have a frank conversation, which is, look, this retirement uh, is either a long way off or change in lifestyle or recognize that this home will be never paid off and that you want as long as mortgage as possible because, wow, your 401k balance is good and your income is good. Your debt level is high relative to your age and those other two things. I could apply. I do have savings. I could apply some of that to that mortgage balance. What do you have in savings? I have about 125. Oh, makes it easier. It makes it complete. No brainer. I think it really depends on what your next five years are going to look That's like. That's right. So <laughs> if if you say I'm going to stay in my job for the next five years, you got a good salary. I'd say like, all right, let's figure out a plan so that Mark in five years now can retire. What do we do about the mortgage? What do we do about how much we save in the 401k? You got to kind of map it all out. On the other hand, if it's well, if a year from now I'm going to start a business, okay, well, what's that going to mean cash flow wise? It, am I going to move out of state? I'm, I'm going to move to New Mexico and. Buy a house that's half the cost. Or are you going to stay here or whatever? Yeah. 
But 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 right now, the, your question was, do I take money yeah. out of the four hundred one k? Absolutely, not. and that's what originally the question you was. Did the, Absolutely, it right. would. Do you not would take be taxed it. at the highest rates. It may not make sense ever. Yeah. It may not make sense ever. I don't know. That was that was the primary question. The if idea I, I thought was, okay, if I take 500 out to pay off my mortgage. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I get it. A lot of people think that. But a, a, $100 in your 401k is not the same as $100 in the bank. In fact, it's normally about 70, 70 cents on the dollar. 70 cents on the dollar. So because the tax man and and your income's high. So if you were going to do that, you'd do it after you left this current employment when the income wasn't two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year, if at all. But you might just decide, look, I'm going to die owning money, owing money on my home. And this is what it looks like. Or you might decide, hey, I'm going to retire when I'm 65. And at that point in time, I'm going to get a reverse mortgage on my home and not ever have a mortgage payment again. The tools are, there's all kinds of what ifs out there. It's like, what, what do you want to do? Yeah. And <laughs> frankly, Mark, if like this concept of starting a business is a, something you want to do, then maybe you figure out how to do that earlier than later. Right. Well, and that's what the 125 was supposed to do. Well, that maybe, might be the maybe, best option. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. And not I mean, worry about I mean, the reason I say that we've seen so it's interesting. I've been doing this long enough where I've seen people that stick with a job that they are burnt out on. It doesn't it's just not doing it for them anymore for a variety of reasons, and they stick with it for the finances. And I've seen other people say, you know what? I'm going to go follow my dreams here. It's going to mean I'm going to be working a little longer than I'd planned. I'm going to delay my retirement, but I'm going to do something that I'm passionate about and something I wanted to do all my life. Now, I don't know where you're sitting with things, but you know, I'd choose the passion if I could. No, I'm in the latter box too. Yeah, yeah. Well, then sit down with an advisor and figure out how to get there. And figure out how to get there. Yep. Do that, boy. This is other stuff. Is yeah. Uh, you 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 went to the toolbox before you actually figured out what the problem. Was. I like the I like to mark. <laughs> our recommendation is to figure out how realistic what you're what you're hoping to do is, and if if it is, then let's figure out how to get how to get there. How do we get Mark out of his current position and starting his business and having a new exciting adventure at age 59 and a half? And maybe you'll do like something fun and you might be working. You're like a Warren Buffett's, what, 89? Well, the, my, <laughs> my idea of retirement is working a job I love. Well, okay. there you go. Well, there you go. And that's the plan. That's, that, that's, that's what you plan go towards. one. That's what you go to. I mean, you're fortunate you've, you have saved and all. So you've got, a, you've got backup here. Yeah. Um, that's what I would look. I would kind of figure out that plan. All righty. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, thank you, Mark. Yeah, we wish you well. And poor guy. Yeah. Scott, poor guy. He calls to ask whether he should take money out of his 401k and pay off his home, and he gets a full-on career <laughs> lecture <laughs> from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just sharing experiences. You're sharing experiences. That's what you were doing. You've seen enough people do it look, good and you know do it's it funny. poor. Well, we, are re we help people... Get to retire. Retirement is not it, the concept of retirement. is not for everybody. Oh, it's terrible for many. It's terrible I mean, for you, many many yeah. people. And, and it's awesome for many people. Some, yeah. So part of it is kind of figuring out. I, like, but the money's a tool. Money's a tool. That's right. Yeah. And and uh, save money. For many, is just an exchange of labor. You've taken your labor, you've stored it, and now at some point in the, t the future, you want to redeem that labor for time. Yes. All right. Uh, before we go to the next call, I want to take a few moments and talk about some of the changes when it comes to retirement distributions and beneficiaries um, after the Secure Act that went into effect beginning of this year. And actually, some of the some of the stuff. Still important planning to do. So we've got Clark Allison joining us. And Clark is an estate plan attorney. He's worked with many of, of Allworth clients and um, actually has done classes to Allworth advisors on sharing some things with estate planning. So Clark Allison has joined us to talk about some of the things for us to pay attention to when it comes to primarily beneficiaries on retirement accounts. So Clark, thanks for joining us. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. So what the SECURE Act essentially... Um, it killed the stretch IRA for all intents and purposes, right? Right. Because now the IRA has to be distributed after 10 years. 
And have has this created a problem with many clients that you've been working with? I mean, have you seen? Yeah. So with most of our clients, we've recommended that the children themselves be the the contingent beneficiaries, not the living trust. Yeah, because unless they've got a, some other issues in life, right? Right. And that's usually what it is. If there's issues like the kids are having drug problems, alcohol problems, or some kind of behavioral problems, then in the past, we created a standalone retirement plan trust. Now, with the new stretch out limited to 10 years under the SECURE Act, we're reviewing whether those trusts are as effective now and what we do going forward for clients who want someone to supervise the distribution of the iris for their kids if they don't think their kids are capable. Got it. Yeah. And the the, the whole concept of being able to spread the, the distributions out over 30 years is essentially gone now. Right? Correct. So how does someone, here's pretty common, right? Uh, a lot of people um, later in life have a second marriage, either because they had a divorce early on or they become widowed and then remarried. And for example, I had a call uh, this week, client, um, she wanted to make sure that her spouse was taken care of. Her concern was that, it, and she had a relatively large retirement plan, her concern was that if, if he's listed as primary beneficiary and she predeceases uh, and then he dies, she can disinherit. She didn't have any children, but she had nieces and nephews she wanted the dollars to go to, right? But oftentimes you see people have children. They've got children from their first marriage and now... Um, so how does, in a situation like that, how does someone protect themselves Yeah, to protect their kids or their otherwise heirs? That's a, that's a, a common situation, actually. And there's different ways to do it. The simplest way would be to allocate the other assets, right? So if you've got a bundle of assets, you've got your retirement plans and other assets, maybe you write the trust. So at the first death, the one with the children, her kids get something at that point, Okay. If the only assets that you can make distributions from to satisfy this are the retirement plans, you really would have to do some kind of retirement plan trust that says if you want the surviving spouse to have access to those assets during his or her lifetime, but then when he passes away, he can't change the beneficiaries. The beneficiaries are locked in at that point to the kids. And the only way to do that is through a trust. And that is a trust that, you, that is established specifically f for this retirement account. That's correct. Yeah. And those are pretty c more common now than they used to be. Is that right? They're still not that common, but more and more people are starting to do those just because retirement plans are becoming bigger and bigger. I mean, for a lot of clients, their IRAs and 401ks are the biggest part of their estate. Yeah. Well, oftentimes we'll see someone's got a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever, in their retirement accounts and very little in the other of other assets other than their home. That's exactly right. We see that a lot. Right. And so someone has this, they perhaps it's a second marriage, or even if it's the first marriage, they're concerned that well, what happens if I die? Well, I like take myself right now. Let's assume that I die, my wife takes my retirement account. I'm 50 some odd. Odds are, and there's a good chance she would remarry. She could remarry. List the new spouse as the primary beneficiary. She passes on and suddenly. That's right. Yeah, that happens a lot. So th it's a bigger issue if it's a mixed marriage, like a Brady Bunch kind of deal, right? Where the first spouse dies and then the other spouse changes the plan to leave everything to her kids and, and the husband's kids get nothing. So there's ways to do that within the living trust with the other assets. But if you want to uh, plan for that with the retirement plan, you will have to have some kind of retirement plan trust that locks in the beneficiaries. And a retirement plan trust, you're not putting the retirement plan in the trust today. You're setting up a trust that really becomes in effect, effective upon the death. That's right. Because so, it's a beneficiary. Right. So the trust can't own a retirement plan, but what you're doing is set, naming the beneficiaries of that uh, IRA. So the, the, the trust would become the beneficiary. And if you've got a trust that has like three different kids, let's say, then each, then the retirement plan would set up subtrusts for each one of those kids. And you would name as the beneficiaries each one of those subtrusts. 
and it's got to be done very carefully. Um, under this new SECURE Act, in a way, it's almost going to be easier because we don't have to worry about different measuring lives for the uh, required minimum distributions because we've just got 10 years. Yeah. So, and I guess it's made it slight, slightly... In that sense, yes. <laughs> ...easier, but not necessarily better. Right. Yeah. And what percentage of people that you see have the beneficiaries set up properly on their retirement accounts when they first come and see you? Probably about... 60 to 70 percent. Okay. And so 30 to 40 percent could be uh, in a much better position than they are today. Right. And, and, and whether it's because they have kids from a prior marriage or not, that's what makes it more complicated. A lot of people are it's first marriage. The kids are their kids. They may have just forgot to name contingent beneficiaries. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's always important um, to people to be looking at this. It's a big deal. One of the reasons that we work with our estate planning attorneys, with our clients, make sure that everything's set up properly. But um, if you haven't looked at yours lately, it's a good time to do so. And Clark Allison's been joining us. And thanks uh, for being here with us, Clark. And you can learn more about Clark Allison by just going to our website and um, at Allworth Financial and give some more information. Thanks, Scott. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen, And I'm Pat McClain. Thanks for sticking with us. If you want to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH will get you on the show. Numerically, it's 833-999-6784. So did you... You're looking at me weird. You're talking really fast. Even for me, you talk fast normally. You're a pretty fast talker. Have you consumed caffeine or some sort of coffee? I'm or drinking a Diet Coke, which I drink. My doctor doesn't like. I'm down to only a couple a week. But. Oh. Um, so anyway, you're talking very fast, even for me. And we have listeners out there that we have received complaints, by the way, in the past. <laughs> complaints? Okay. <laughs> about how fast <laughs> you talk. complaints. <laughs> FCC, okay. right. the FCC, this guy Hansen talks too fast. <laughs> no, we did years ago. I remember there was a gentleman who was studying for his certified financial planning who listened to our show and liked to transcribe our show and make notes. But he said if we could talk slower, it would help him. <laughs> I thought that was kind you of know, funny. I had someone, where was I, that uh, someone said, yes, I can... T- I can tell you just got like a chill vibe about you. This guy's like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at reading people. I can just tell you've got this kind of a chill vibe and you help people just kind of chill and relax. Really? I looked at the guy. (laughs) You don't know me at all. No one's ever told me that. Oh, no. If anything, people say I'm too wound up. Yeah, yeah, you're a little wound tight. I don't feel I'm, I feel chill. You are. Always chill. You are like right. Grateful Dead chill. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the calls here. Let's go to Dallas and talk with Gail. Gail, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. So um, I'm 44, living out here in Dallas, Texas. I work for the phone company, one of the bigger ones. And so I think I'm at the point where I need to decide. A lot of my, my funds have been managed by like, you know, a, like a Chase private client type environment. And so I've been trying to expand on, you know, do I now need to move to fiduciary because one tells me, you know, now I need to step up um, my accounts and my structure. And so um, I left the phone company once and, you know, so I have a pension there and then I've got, got, I started up a new pension when I came back. So right now um, there's about one point, Two million um, of that. There's, there's um, company managed IRA, which, which I don't want to. You know, I can't have a fiduciary managed. Um, well, you certainly could. But Just not. Could in so the- certainly give. They should be. I mean, a, a good a good financial advisor, financial planner. You're working that should certainly help you with your employer's 401k plan. They would, at a minimum, look at it uh, once or twice a year and give you allocation recommendations on it. Okay, okay. so $1.2 yeah, million, yeah. how much is in the 401k? Uh, so the, the company one right now is about 250 There's a Chase manager about 340 And then um, I'm close to retirement, so there's there, the phone company has a rule of 75 
so at 51, um, I'm retirement eligible, but I started doing the model through their predictions. And and at yeah, 55, yeah. it's actually better for me to leave at 55. Because of age discounts, um, yeah. Exactly, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so then um, I estimate another 575000 there. But of a fiduciary perspective, you know, if I – I gave them, you know, my trading account, which has like 125. My wife has a 95,000 and a hundred ten thousand savings account and 150,000 Roth IRA. That adds about to 480. But then I was trying to figure out, you know, do I keep some of it? Keep some of it at Chase and let oh, them. Because it hasn't done so, hasn't done bad. So slow, slow down, slow, slow down, slow yeah. down. You, you, you want financial planning done is what you want. That's the first thing you want done. And the second thing you want done is the asset management. And it may or may not be the same person, right? Mm -hmm. But the mere fact that you called and asked, hey, I've got this Chase account and I'm looking for fiduciary. There's a need that isn't being satisfied in some way, shape or form. With your, and it might just but, be the person you're working with. It, 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 it may not have anything to do with Chase. It may just have to do with the process that individual's using or not. But, but I doubt the majority of uh, private bankers at Chase are certified financial planners. And, I, and my guess is it's probably a commission-based model rather than a fiduciary-based model or a fee-based model. But in saying all exactly. that— Exactly. Yeah, they, they take a percentage, and, and so it hasn't done bad. Like, it's grown in the 11 years I gave it to him double. But then when I asked the fiduciary, he's like, yeah, if, if you had a fiduciary where they, you know, your level of counts now should be not buying buying mutual funds anymore. You should buy, be buying, like, a retirement pension plan would buy, right, buying shares and build your portfolio. Oh, that's all garbage. I don't, I don't believe that. That's all marketing garbage that you're here in there. That's, yeah, that, that's all marketing garbage. I own um, all. So that, I, I own ETFs and and Vanguard yeah, mutual funds. Yeah, yeah. Before I bring Mike to the next meeting, it was kind of like, hey, let me. You know, I listen to you guys always on a podcast, and I'm like, hey, let me ask you guys for your opinion. So you know, before we even. So I, for, let, me, let me. I'm going to step in here. First of all, just because you have more dollars doesn't need to mean you make life more complicated. Maybe the opposite. So whether you've got. 500,000 or savings or 5 million in savings or 50 million in savings does not mean, mean that you need to make more life, life more complicated. I remember talking to this gentleman, uh, he, he's a financial advisor in industry. His, his minimum account size was, was $50 million. And he started, and so I was asking him about what he does for his clients and he did all his typical client has 12 different accounts. Mostly they're, they're, they're limited partnership type structures, private equity, this venture gambling, right? All this stuff, and as I'm talking to him, and I, I look, I've, if you go and study <laughs> like historical returns, you, look, just because you're in these other kind of products does not mean you're going to have excess returns on them. And I remember I had the most interesting thing is I think your typical client started some business, they poured their light, their heart and soul into some business, it became very successful, and they sold it. Ninety five percent of the time, that's how it happens, where they get substantial wealth like this, and they go to a financial planner, and the financial planner made their financial life. 20 times more compl- complicated than they need to be. There's Sometimes got- to justify their own existence. And to make it really hard to get out of that relationship. <laughs> Sometimes. It- but if you were sitting in our office, the first thing we do is, we, or, or do any f- good advisor's do financial office, plan. we do a financial plan. And then we'd understand that you're, uh, my guess is that you're working for um, AT&T, formerly SBC, formerly Southwestern Bell. And exactly. uh, we would say, look at here, based upon uh, your years of service, age, um, your uh, the, the, your your job classification, this is what your pension will be at this age. And I, we wouldn't make a decision whether you take a pension or lump sum until um, 15 days prior to the quarter in which you retire, because that's when they set the interest rates um, in order to but determine that. But part of that. this should really be looking at how much should you be putting in your 401k? How should those dollars be allocated? What's going on with the mortgage What's going on with other with other expenditures in the family? Uh, all those issues. The, that's the that's the first thing. Secondly, it's okay. How do we invest these dollars? Yeah. That's yeah, it. and we we, we kind of ran through. You know, how much do you think you'll need in retirement? And well, you know, my my daughter is is set up. You know, we've got a five twenty nine, and she's only wait, wait, but stop, stop. Be- they they asked you how much you thought you needed in retirement. 
Yeah. You, you, they should tell you how much money you need in retirement. They shouldn't ask you. They can determine, <laughs> a good advisor will determine based on your standard of living today and the, your outflow, what you're actually living on. They don't ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like a million a year, please. <laughs> right? That's the problem with you asking someone. Oh, I would like to have my own yacht. That's why I, that's why I you know, I didn't, I didn't do anything during yeah. the first meeting. I, of course, I had to t- bring the boss in, and she has to have her warm and fuzzies, right? So, so that's why I was like, okay, well, let me seek elsewhere. And, yeah, I and would go interview a couple. Go. I'd go interview a couple certified financial planners. I really think uh, independent fiduciary certified financial planners. I, I you'll find you'll find one that sounds like us and resonates well and like. Yes, in Dallas. Yeah, in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we have an office in Dallas. Not that I'm pitching our firm, oh, okay. but yeah, we have an office. Yeah, in I, I mean, oh, yeah. it's just. Uh, you're, as Pat said, you wouldn't be calling if there wasn't. A- Don't call if there's not a problem. And quite frankly, you're 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 relatively sophisticated. You're a great saver. You are a very very good saver. Unless some of this has been inherited, um, even a little bit of it had been inherited. You're a great saver. Uh, you just need a, a a financial plan that says, okay, I can leave work at age fifty five, and this is what my income will be, and plan around that. And take into account whether yeah. you pay the mortgage off. Should we accelerate the payments on the mortgage? And then, you know, kids' education is the whole bit. But I would yeah, start, I'd and, start with that. Yeah, and I lined up, you know, so I, I always try to plan out my life. And so at 51, when I'm retirement eligible, the house is paid off. My daughter at age six, she's already got 53000 in her 529. So, so I figure she's going to be set by the time, you know, I call it at 55 or 58 Probably. or what have you. Are, are you an engineer and, at the phone company by chance? I'm an I'm an IoT product manager, so I manage, you know, how machines talk to each other. And okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just guessing. <laughs> no, no. Listen, you're a planner and a double checker. So you need someone else to, to yeah, yeah, sit yeah. down and, and walk you through a process that makes sense to you okay. and your wife from that from that process, the investments are built secondary to that. Remember, the investments are just a tool to get to you to where you want to go. So yep. that will help determine how much risk or, or lots of risk or no risk or some risk in the portfolios. And that financial advisor, you're, whoever's been telling you how to manage that chase money over these years should have been allocating your 401k for you the, the whole way I think through. You know what? I think some of these big companies don't allow their – they don't want the they're not they don't want the responsibility without the compensation. Really? Yeah, I think some of the I'm not I don't know how Chase works, but I've heard um, that from others. Well, anyway, if we'll take the liability and give you an allocation <laughs> on your 401k. Anyway, appreciate the call. Yeah, good luck to you, Gail. And yeah. and it is a yeah, it's a I don't know. but just you don't have to make it complicated. Well, you said that at this at this thing you need to start holding different. Uh, things like f- how many stocks would you actually have to hold in an p- individual portfolio to get? Well, you need to- you need about twenty in different industries to get proper diversification. To get not sixteen, as, I think not as close as the diversification as you get to. Yeah, but you'll get ninety five percent of the way there with I think sixteen stocks, if, assuming they're in the right different industries. It's just a, and you sell quarter shares at this point in time or <laughs> no, half shares at this point in time in order to give the allocations, right? Do you buy Tesla or do you sell Tesla? <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that stock? Huh? I don't. I don't think you need to make it that complicated. Well, considering the considering the most professional uh, mutual fund managers underperform the index they're trying to beat, if the if they can't outperform it, how can an individual investor, or even more so, some broker now calls himself a financial advisor that's pitching individual securities? How can they do better? Yeah. And let's head off to Sacramento and talk with Linda. Linda, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Linda. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks so, for joining us. What can we do for you? I was wondering if a Roth IRA can be gifted. No. But sorry. No, but but <laughs> no, no. no. It, it can be inherited. <laughs> That's a I simple mean, simple answer. <laughs> it can, you can. Someone could inherit. 
inherit the, those from you, but that sounds a little or drastic. Or you can withdraw the or money. you can withdraw the money and just give it to them. The only way you can transfer a retirement account, whether it's an IRA, an IRA, uh, Roth IRA, a 401k, a 403b, is is either through death, which is not a great option if that's your plan, right? uh, through death or through what's called a qualified domestic relation order upon a divorce. Which isn't a great uh, idea. That's not a great either. idea either. So both those are, unless you're married to a jerk, then it might be a... Okay. So, but in saying that, what are you trying to achieve? And let's see if we can actually... Um, help you with what you're trying to achieve? Well, I've been married and divorced twice. Okay. And at one point I had checked to see if um, I should put some retirement money into my husband, my, my state worker husband's, like he had a 457 and a something. So I said, why don't we take one for you and one for me? And another state worker said, don't do that because if something happens, it'll all be under his name. Well, that's wrong, but. So I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm in a committed relationship to the only man that I trust. Okay. And we've been together for about a decade, and he doesn't have enough money to contribute to a Roth. But you're I'm not married. Wrong. Correct. Yeah, there's the difference. Yes. And why does this matter to you? Well, she's trying to do the best point planning as a couple. The long-term tax benefits. Yeah, you know, I I don't want to get married again because I'm concerned that health his health bills come to over twenty thousand dollars a year, and I think he could easily wipe me out. Yeah, yeah. So we keep things separate. Okay. And how so much money your... were you? And how much money were you planning on putting in this? Well, I guess I would max out what he could do in a Roth. Okay, so you weren't gifting a Roth. You were gifting money to him, and he was putting it in a Roth. That's what right, you meant to ask. Right, and then I thought ask. he could gift it back to me. Well, he I can name you as, have he any. Could withdraw the money, or he can list you as a beneficiary upon death. Both of those would work. Yes, both of those would work. And the money okay, in the retirement account would be sheltered from creditors. Yes. Right. And you trust him that you would, he would name you as a beneficiary, obviously. Right. Well, he doesn't have any other um, beneficiaries, really, so he would leave it to either me or my son. Okay. So it's just a way to well, then you can a little bit. easily gift him the money, and he opens an, a Roth IRA in his name and names you as the primary beneficiary, primary beneficiary, and your son as a contingent beneficiary. Okay. All right. And when All at right. time of death, under the new SECURE Act, you have 10 years to, in which to withdraw the dollars. Right. All righty. Okay. But you, so you're you so technically much. not gifting a Roth. You're gifting money to him. He can do with it whatever he wishes once you give it to him. Okay. All righty? All right. All right. Thank appreciate you. the call. Thanks. To join All Worth's Money Matters, 833-99-WORTH is the number. We are in Colorado talking with Amy. Amy, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Thanks Amy. for taking my call. Um so I was just wondering what your thoughts are on solo 401ks for self-employed individuals and whether or not you think it would be a good investment opportunity for my husband and I, or if you think there are better investment options for our current situation. So let's talk about what you just asked. We love them, by the way. But, but a, solo, okay. a solo K or solo 401k is not an investment opportunity. It is tax code. Okay. It's how we can structure an investment to maximize tax benefits, either through a traditional solo K, which gives us a tax deduction up front, or a Roth solo K, which doesn't give a tax deduction up front, but enables for tax-free retirement income. So the first question is to solo K or not to solo K? And if we say yes, Roth or not Roth, so we're going through a decision tree. So the Right? There's two questions there. The third question yeah. is what investment actually goes in the solo K? Right? Okay. So in most circumstances, if your income is appropriate, uh, it makes sense to use a solo K. And so you and your husband have a business. Is that correct? Correct. Um, we have an event center um, that we own. Um, my husband will actually be 65. So this this is kind of like supplemental. We're kind of preparing as this being our supplemental retirement income. Okay. Um, 
because once he starts drawing Social Security and what little bit of a, kind of a pension he had, he, he taught for seven years early on, um, he'll make about 3000 a month is all. So we knew that that would be pretty hard to just meet our current expenses on. So he he's always been an entrepreneur, so he came up with this idea for us to turn an existing um, building on our property into an event center. So we're doing that. How much um, income do you believe that you'll make running the event center? Well, so we've been doing it for about seven years. And, and our um, growth on it um, ha- has not gone like over 50000 What's your net? But we, we haven't wanted it. Again, we've just wanted it to be more supplemental. Like we haven't wanted to be that busy are you, um, are you, because we are getting older. So, Are you paying any taxes, Social Security taxes, on any of the income that is derived from the event center? Yeah. How much of how much? Yeah. What's the paying? taxable amount? What's the taxable amount that is coming on, uh, uh, either in both your names or either of your names? Um, Twenty grand, thirty grand. Know, honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it's filed. I mean, when we file our taxes, it's mostly I think filed under my husband's social security number. I mean, the business part does have a okay separate. Um, yeah. Okay, so would you would you want to save more than fourteen thousand dollars a year? Yeah, potentially. Well, and then here's another little piece. So, um, I recently um, have been blessed with a an early retirement. In a sense, um, my mom had inherited some mineral rights, and then, um, but before she passed away, they hadn't been developed. Well, since then. They're, they've been developed and they're doing fairly well. And so my dad started an LLC for um, my brothers and him. And so we get a portion of that. And how much do you get so a year from mineral years, rights? I've, huh? Yeah. How much ballpark on an annual basis do you receive from that? Well, so right now what I've saved from that is probably just a little over 100000 But I've just had that sitting in a okay. kind of like in CDs. So the the answer to the question. I'm not sure about investing. Yeah, okay. so I wanted to make sure I understood. So so you should, uh, when you prepare your tax return, have the accountant figure out what the maximum you could put into a 401k. And the reason I asked about IRA is because you can contribute to an IRA if you're not working, and t- okay. you can contribute seven thousand dollars. And if your husband, when he retires, you can contribute seven. Assuming you have fourteen thousand dollars of taxable income. So I would max those out before I bothered with the solo K. That's right. That's right. Okay. And if you want to say, if you have, but you need to have more than $14,000 of taxable income in order to make sense. a contribution into an IRA of 14,000. And then the second question, if you are deriving income off of this, uh, this business, do you keep it at all in one of your names or both of your names for social security purposes, taxation purposes? I don't know the answer to that because I don't know your full situation, but a good advisor would be able to answer that question for you. And most certainly you should do a 401k if you are eligible. We couldn't quite get to the answer whether you have earned income or not, um, but your accountant will know. So appreciate the call. Yeah, okay. Thank you. All right, we wish you well, Amy. And solo K, I, so if, if you have a business with no employees, you can't have any employees, no employees, a solo K can make tremendous sense. Uh, and you can, if you have one set up prior to December 31st, 2019, you've got until the time you file your taxes to fund the, the solo K for the prior year. But, you but know, if you haven't set it up, it's not going to help you for 2019 taxes. Yeah, but so Scott, there's a lot going on actually in uh, the 401k defined contribution marketplace due to the Secure Act, um, in terms of allowing small businesses to set up plans on a less expensive basis. Some of pool them, together, right? Yeah. Well, uh, in 2020, uh, it's the um, MEP, what's that stand? Multiple employer plan. And then the 2021 is the pooled employer plan. So most of the cost savings will come in 21 in the pooled employer plan. That's where there's So you can be a small employer. You're a small employer. You you band with together 
I would assume the 401k provider comes and they're the ones that create the product. They come and create the product. Bring several different companies together. And everyone he, shares the administrative expense so it doesn't become burdensome. Or the or the or the company that sells it pays all the administrative expense and they get compensation either on a monthly basis from each one of the participants or as an asset management fee. But you could have these things grow into perpetuity. You can start with 10 employees. You could just keep adding employees and spreading those costs so over larger. The only thing that the employer would be responsible was the discrimination testing. The challenge now is uh, for if you have no employees, you can set up a solo K that costs. Easy breeze. Almost, easy. It's, easy. It's super cheap, right? Easy. It's no real administrative. It's like setting up an IRA. It's nothing. But, and you can contribute like up to 50 grand, a little more than 50 grand. Perfect. Uh, if once you have an employee, but yeah, let's say I have three employees. Now you so you can't use a solo K once you have even one employee. And the cost associated with setting up a particular four hundred one K for just three employees is prohibitive from an employer standpoint, so they don't do it. And you've talked about it for years how there seems to be this discrimination in in company pension plans because small employers don't want to spend the money, and what this does is fix that problem. Well, I've always, I mean. I've always questioned why we need to have our retirement savings tied up with our employer. Well, that's a different question <laughs> altogether. Maybe I remember Bush had lifetime, lifetime. He was going to he proposed some sort of account that you can set up that was totally portable and was just your own. Bush uh, Jr. Senior W. Yeah, all of them. That was a long time ago. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't see. Uh, I don't see Congress working on that anytime soon to no. change that. But that's the way it is now. Hey, before we go, uh, if you are in uh, either the Sacramento region or the Denver region, we've got some workshops coming up uh, in the next um, week or so. So the week of March sixteenth, in both Sacramento and in Denver, we are doing our Social Security workshop. So. This is if if you are nearing retirement and trying to figure out how to file for Social Security, and it's different for everybody. You've heard us talk about in the program before, but I think it's actually quite helpful. So in Sacramento, we've got locations. There's six different locations around Sacramento the week of March 16th, and in Denver, there's five locations around oh, around the region the week of March 16th, both in the evenings at 6:45 in various areas, as well as um, Saturday at 11:15. So there's go if you'd like more information, go to allworthfinancial.com. Allworthfinancial.com. They're free. You can sign up there and um, I'm sure you'll have a good time. We're out of time. We hear every week this same station. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.